Welcome to the Just for Special Education Teachers podcast, the place to be if you just want to connect with other special educators, if you want to gain insights and strategies, or obtain resources to help you in your journey as you grow as a special educator. This day and age, dealing with student behaviors is an inevitable part of teaching, more so than ever with the escalating mental health issues that many of our students face today. And doesn't it seem like every time there is a new problem in our society, schools and educators are given the responsibility to solve these problems. We're the answer. But we're never given the funds that we need to adequately address these problems. Okay, so you give us this additional responsibility to solve mental health issues. Well, where is the additional funding that needs to come along with this additional responsibility? How are we supposed to solve mental health issues with the same amount of resources and funds that we had before when we didn't even have enough resources and funds to solve the previously existing issues that we were trying to resolve? Just saying. Anyway, in today's episode, we have a special guest and we will be discussing some strategies on how to build relationships with your most challenging students and families. All right. Well, I'd like to thank our special guest that we have today, Mrs. Brenda Nixon. She is a behavior intervention specialist for an elementary charter school in West Oakland. She's been a behavior intervention specialist for several years, and I feel very honored to be able to speak with her today. So Brenda, welcome. How are you? Thank you. Thank you. I'm great. I'm great. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, we had the opportunity, fortunate opportunity that I had to work with you (laughs) for a few years. And one of the things that I noticed about you was that you had the ability to build rapport with students and with parents very quickly and were able to build a very trusting relationship. The students loved you, the parents loved you. So I wanted to, yes, invite you to talk about how you were able so that you can share some of the um, your strategies on how you were able to build such great relationships with the families and students so let's start first with students with the students and just talk a little bit about like your philosophy and how you built rapport and established relationships Mm -hmm. with the students you know first I tried to make myself known, not just like Miss Nixon, the bad lady, you know, cause they knew they didn't really know my job title was actually to help them, but it was like, oh, you know, if you call Miss Nixon, you're usually in trouble. So I would do things like, you know, I'd be at the morning when we had the express pickup, I'd be greeting the students, speaking to the parents, how's your weekend? Oh, you know, if it was a student and you could tell they had a new outfit on, compliment them on their outfit, you know, just kind of step outside of your role um, that the students know you as. So at recess, you know, I'd be out blowing bubbles or I'd be out playing Foursquare and I would tell them like, look, I'm going to cheat at Foursquare. I'm the adult. You can't get me out. But, you know, just to kind of like create some conversation with it and then that would make them want to try to get me out. So then it would, that was the thing. Miss Nixon, are you coming out for Foursquare? Or, you know, my mom wants to talk to you in the morning. So it kind of let them know like, yeah, Miss Nixon has an office over here, but she also does other things outside of the school. Or I would um, go eat lunch with them in the cafeteria or help the lunch lady serve or, you know, we did dismissal. So I, I tried to just make myself known like I said, in other capacities, besides just when they called over the walkie when somebody was having a moment. I think also like 
letting them know. And I heard this and I really thought it was cheesy, but like, oh, the kids don't care until they know you care. And of course you think like, of course I care. I work at a school, you know, we all know about the salary and blah, blah, blah. So like the students should know that you're there to care, but they don't. Cause I've had students tell me you're only here to get a paycheck. And I was like, oh, um, sweetie, no, I'm here literally because I care about you guys, you know? Um, and then just showing them in different ways. And it, I'm trying to think, you know, I'll come up with some more examples, of course, as mm -hmm. we go on, but letting them and being honest. Sometimes in class, the student would be like, I don't understand why we have to do this. It's stupid or it's hard. And sometimes I would, you know, without undermining the teacher or being too negative. Yes, it is hard. But if we can do this for 20 minutes, then we can have 10 minutes of free time. So let's try to hurry up and get through, you know, what we have to do so we can do what we want to do. So, you know, just being honest or like if they think the teacher's being unfair, you know, breaking it down like, okay, you think she's unfair, but you were also doing this in the moment. So trying to be neutral and fair. So like if the teacher, like, and not saying, yeah, your teacher was wrong. You don't have to listen to her type thing, but let's follow these rules so we can, you know, stop getting in trouble and things like that. So I think honesty, fairness, and not, I don't want to say stepping out of your role or stepping across your boundaries, but letting them see you're not just the, whatever your job title is helped a lot. Right. I think that one is really crucial. You mentioned stepping outside of your role, doing activities with them. So although your title is behavior intervention specialist, you're going out to recess and you're playing with them during recess. Right. You're going in the lunchroom during probably during your lunchtime and you're eating lunch with the kids <laughs> or you're helping serve the kids during lunchtime. So like you said, they right. can see you outside of that role. Right. And one thing, one thing I like to do, um, I tried to do it in the beginning of the year. And then sometimes I would pop in later, but I would go into the classrooms and I would tell, ask the teacher, you know, can I have some time usually during morning meeting? And I would tell the kids that they could ask me any question that they wanted to about myself. Um, mm. If it was inappropriate or none of their business, I would tell them like, you know, if they said, how much money do you have in the bank? That's none of your business, you know, or if I felt <laughs> like making up a number or like, you know, $5, can I borrow some money? But they could ask me anything. And it was really interesting because some kids were so focused on asking the like right questions. It was always about work or it was always mm. about the school. And I'm like, you guys can literally ask me what size shoe do I wear? What's the last thing I bought at the store? You know, mm -hmm. and then they were like, oh, okay. And then you set a timer. And so I think I did it maybe 10 minutes or if the teacher had a block of time, 15 minutes. And I just let them literally ask me. And I'm like, you guys don't have, you guys don't want to know if I take vitamins or what I ate for breakfast. It, just to get them to think. And then, Personal and then they side. felt like they knew something mm -hmm. about you. Yeah. Then they were right. like, other kids would be like, Miss Nixon doesn't like blah, blah, blah. Oh yes, she does. She came in the classroom and told, you know what I mean? So then it was like, oh, I know something about her. Right. That, you know, because then they would start asking about my kids or what kind of car do I drive and stuff like that. So I think mm -hmm. I, I think that was one of the things that helped a lot, too, because I did it from, you know, K. Sometimes I go into TK all the way to our fifth grade. And it was it was interesting. I liked it. It didn't bother me. Now, you mentioned being honest. Elaborate a little bit about that, being honest with them. Um. So like if I had a call for a student who just didn't want to do the work, not that they couldn't do the work, but they didn't want to, I would go in the classroom, you know, I would try to do a push in first and, you know, check in with the student and say, you know, what's the problem? What's going on? Why aren't the teachers asking you literally to write what's on the board? What is the problem? Oh, I don't understand why we have to do it. It's stupid. And it doesn't make any sense. And it's not you know, it, what does it have to do with our lesson? And, you know, you would find a way to be like, you know, you might not understand why you have to write a letter starting, you know, putting this on the left-hand side and the date right here. But that is the way that it's done in the real world outside of these gates. So right. no, you may not understand it, but she's trying to teach you a life lesson. So just write it down on the paper. And the faster you write it down, the faster she gets to the assignment and you're done. But now you right. have me coming in here in your time, 
you know, and you know, I'm going to give you more to do. So you waste her time, you waste my time and we're going to waste yours later. Or you could just write down what's on the board and get it over with, you know? So honest like that, or like math, I'm not good at math. So if a teacher was having issues during a math lesson, usually the upper grades, and I had to step in, I would be honest, like, you guys know what, I don't understand math that well either, but I'm gonna sit in here and try it with you. So you could use it two ways, like sure. relating to the student, like, you know, I don't understand why a paragraph has to be five sentences and indented either. But let, let I'll try to figure out why and come back to you later. But right now, let's just get this done and get it out the way. Or like, you know, fractions. Ooh, I can't stand fractions. And if a student was falling out, I'd be like, Miss Nixon doesn't understand it either. Let's both try to sit here and figure it out. And then sometimes I would ask a question that it was easy for the teacher to answer so the student can see like, okay, well, not adults don't have, they know things, but they don't know everything or they're willing to ask questions or honest in the fact that like I had one student who refused to go to services his one-on-one services and I was like why don't you want to why why don't you want to go why do you refuse to go to services he was like she's boring and I was like you know yeah sometimes when we get in meetings and we're sitting there adults are kind of boring I do understand that but do you understand that this is going to help you and maybe you'll get one thing out of the session and then you know, next time you go, maybe you'll get something else. So you kind of like make them think that, not make them think, how can I say it? You know, like with the statement, like, yeah, adults can be kind of boring. You're relating to them. Like, yeah, honestly, adults can be boring or honestly, math is hard or there's something, I don't know why in education we teach these things, but, you know, or tell them like the teacher has a job to do. She has to answer to a boss. So if you're not meeting your requirements, the teacher's also going to get in trouble, not just you not doing your work, you know, so being honest, like letting them see the bigger picture sometimes. And, you know, some teachers would be like, well, you don't have to tell them all that, but you understand they're now they're relating to it. Like, okay, let me just get this done. So, you know, my teacher doesn't get in trouble or Miss Nixon can stop talking to me about it or, you know, something. Or and I would tell them that, too. You get tired of your teacher nagging you. You get tired of me coming in here, standing over your shoulder. If you want me to quit nagging you, just do what you have to do and I'll stop talking because Miss Nixon can talk all day. Y'all know that. And they knew my favorite line was, yeah, we know you're here till 430. You're going to get paid. So let me just do the stuff. You know what I mean? So it was just little like. Being honest, like we could sit in the class and do nothing until 4.30. I'm going to still get paid and you won't get your education. And they'd be like, what? And I'm like, okay, let's let's see what happens if you do your work. So, you know, honest like that. And I know sometimes I mean, I've had to sit in cost meetings or what were the other meetings? SST. SST meetings. Um, yeah. And when parents would ask questions in there. I would try to be honest about those, like some of the services they were nervous about. Um, like I know we had our a lot of parents who were worried about CPS being called or, you know, the people, quote unquote, being in their business. And I think being honest with um, parents and students about that too, you know, like th- these are the things that are gonna happen and breaking it down instead of just saying, here are the services offered. Even with the students, because sometimes, you know, like they didn't understand why they had to go to therapy or they had to go to take these tests. Just try not to not to sugarcoat it and not to be too adult about it, but breaking it down so that they can understand why things are happening the way they are. Now, you mentioned being neutral, and I would think, in fact, I know just having been in administration of having we worked together and having been at that location that sometimes it was pretty may have been challenging to be neutral right that put you in Very a much. predicament because the teacher is upset with a particular with a student and they're calling you in for support because they are having challenges managing that student and then you have to yes. come in and you have the relationship with the student. That's how you were able to get them to do their work or you're able to get them to leave the classroom with you if the teacher no longer wants them in the classroom. But then the teacher may think, well, you're being too lenient with that student or, or may think, well, why aren't you siding with me? 
in regard to what this what this student did how did you right. balance that and i had to learn i had i mean i know you witnessed a few times even you know where it seemed where i probably swayed one side to the other so it does it is hard to be neutral um i think in my position in the moment, like removing them from the classroom or trying to get them to cooperate, it can seem like I'm siding with the student because I'm saying the things that they want to hear or, you know, I might say that they get to do something later, no strings attached, and the teacher might not understand that. But I think one of the biggest things I had to learn was checking in with the teacher later and letting them know why I did something. Um, and then remembering not to talk down on the teacher, because at the end of the day, you know, they're in the teacher's classroom more than they're in my office. That's the goal. So um, trying to, even when I got them out of the office, I would try to explain what the teacher's going through or, you know, like students would get mad because they their hand was raised and the teacher didn't see them. And I would have to give them my point of view, like, yeah, I understand you got mad and everything, but do you understand that there's 25 students in the class and maybe so-and-so was flicking a pencil so she saw that instead of you raising your hand? You know, so like just not not telling this and definitely not telling the student they were right or wrong. I would ask them a lot, like, why did you do that? Like, why did you think that was okay? You know, and let them give me an answer. And if they thought it was okay, I would be like, well, how do you think your teacher felt about that? Do you think your teacher felt like, do you think your other classmates felt that was okay? You know, so instead of trying to force my opinion on them or force the adult way or the school rules, like ultimately, you know, the rules are being followed, but instead of forcing it on them at first, I would have them do some reflecting. So I didn't have to really give an opinion. Because students would come in and say, oh, Ms. Nixon, my teacher was wrong because, or so-and-so was wrong because. And I'm like, but are you, let's, let's talk about it. Let's talk it out and see why you feel that way. You know, and hopefully they would form their own opinion. And sometimes they felt they were justified in throwing a chair or calling the teacher a name, you know. And then it, then it was kind of like, well, no, that's not okay you know, but just not really saying the teacher was right or wrong or the student was right or wrong. But just sometimes it was like, you know, maybe you shouldn't have said that. You could have said it this way, you know, so just trying to, it's a lot about wording. Definitely. You know, I had to come to realize, you know, <laughs> yes, you know, you can tell someone they're wrong without just saying like, you're wrong and that wasn't right and sit down, you're in trouble. You know, you could say, well, you think a better way to do it would be this way or next time maybe think about what you say or, you know, like I told kids all the time, I, if you don't say it out loud, you can never get in trouble for it. But if you say it out loud and it's not OK, you're going to get in trouble for it. So that's the way of saying like that word you said was wrong. But if you would have kept it in your head, I wouldn't be in here right now. You know what I mean? So a lot of the wording and sometimes and it's not the like, please and thank you begging wording. It's just, you know, flipping the play on words to say like, is there a better way to do it? Or what could you have done different in this situation and allowing the child to reflect and then you really don't have to say anything. So they can't go back and say, well, Ms. Nixon told me to tell you that purple shirt was ugly and I was right for saying it was ugly. No, just because purple is not your favorite color. You don't tell someone else that it's ugly. We're saying the same thing, but it's right. just, you know, so I think that, and- So you were able not, to guide them basically we're able to guide them to their own conclusion. And most of the time you were able to get them to understand that what they did probably wasn't something that they, yeah. that they should have done. Yeah. It wasn't the best idea. Right, right. 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 Yeah. And you know, even with the, the same idea with being neutral, even with the parents, there was times where it was kind of hard to advocate or listen to the parent without them thinking that you're taking their side. So I did also have to learn to like, you know, what, let me let me find out more about that. And somebody will get back to you because I also had the habit of saying I'll get back to you. And then it was like, Miss Anzella, like I told him this and what should I do? And then they hear it from you. And it's not what what they wanted to hear when we would right. be saying the same. 
thing. Um, so I think also being neutral too is knowing that you're not always the right person to deliver information because some, you know, there's rules and there's policies and procedures that are set in stone. And I might not know that. And I might know, might not know the way that it's administered or how, how it works. So I had to learn how to be neutral in that too, because they would then the parent would expect me to do everything when it might be the vice principal's job or the SPED director's job and things like that. Like I had to learn that too. I learned it fast because there was some sticky situations and you know. Right. And oftentimes and so, because they really had the relationships with you, they wanted yes. to hear from you. Exactly. And then you so know great with the relationships and building the relationships with the parents. <laughs> Right. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It was hard for them to understand the boundaries and why. So yeah, I had to, I had to learn pretty fast about that. Well, one other thing that I also think, which made you so effective and you can correct me if I'm wrong or elaborate on that, but your tone and your demeanor, I, I don't think I've ever saw you get upset or raise your, you may have, but you never raised your voice. Um, you mm -hmm. always had the nurturing, caring kind of tone. You never sounded irritated, you know, when you were talking to the kids, even when they may have done oh, something oh. that, <laughs> that upset, uh, maybe one time, one time. <laughs> and it was like, just a baby, like, just like, you know, I had never heard you, but it had someone else use right. that tone or whatever, you know, it would have been, it would have been normal or regular for them, but like for you. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, you know, and I hear that a lot. I am actually going to say it goes back to my parents. I have never heard my mother or father raise their voice what? at all. And I'm, you know, Oh a little gosh. over 40. I, my father didn't get, when he got upset, he got quieter. So it was scarier. <laughs> um, like, what is he thinking? Mom, what is he thinking? And we'd be standing there like, should we stay here? Should we walk away? You know, but he always talked to us really rationally. Um, my mother, she, she would get frustrated but not to the point where she yelled either. She would just be like, oh, I'm gonna talk to you guys in a minute. Okay, okay, you know? Um, and then as a, outside of work, as a, a family unit, mm -hmm. we don't yell and we try not to argue. We try to have more like heated discussions. So right. I think I just take that everywhere. And I had to be conscious, you know, um, that, even though it might be a student I know, and I might have a relationship with their parents, they could go home and harmlessly be repeat. Oh, I got in trouble with Miss Nixon. And she said, and then the parents gonna be like, excuse you, but me not meaning it in any type of way, you know, cause, and I had students who would tell me, you're not my mom, I don't have to listen to you. And inside, you know, you want to say, no, I'm, you know, you, whatever. But I would be like, no, I'm not your mom. You have a very good mother. But while you're on campus, you know, so I think and I always take a moment to pause before I answer for the most part, hmm. before I respond to a student. Um, and I know that the ones that are doing it for attention, once they get in a certain response out of you, they feel like for lack of a better word, like they've won. And so I never wanted to lose my cool in front of a student. So I would just keep that tone. Like I'm asking you to have a seat, but I want my sandwich. I'm asking you to have a seat, but I want my set. I'm asking you to have a seat. As soon as you have a seat, we can go on to the next step. You know what I mean? Like I had to remember that like, like we've learned every behavior is asking for something. So it was my job not to respond to the behavior as much as what's really going on. You know, and right. some students I could ask them like, what's wrong? What's wrong? Instead of you threw the chair. Why did you throw the chair? How did you know? But like, like what's really going on? Oh, it's reading. You're at a lower reading level. You were embarrassed, you know, thinking these thoughts in my head, like, Oh, he's embarrassed. He can't read. 
So of course he's going to throw a chair instead of being mad at the action or reaction the student is giving. Yeah. And I just, know. you know, I don't like to get upset. I really don't. I don't like to get upset. I don't like that emotion because it sits with me for a long time. I did get frustrated. And there were times where I would tell the student, like, I'm really irritated right now. I need about five minutes because, and it kind of explained to them, like, you do the same behavior every time and we get the same result. So give me a minute and I need you to take a minute because now, and it might not be the right words to say, but I would let students know, like, but I also had on my board, um, they had the instructional minutes of the day. So I would let them know, like, you're wasting time. You only have, I think it was like 183 minutes or 23 minutes. Don't quote me on that. Mm-hmm. And I would tell them, like, you're wasting literal instructional minutes being in my office. So they knew what I meant when I would say you're wasting time. You know, I was like, you're right. wasting time. You know, so it was it, it was at times hard because as you know we had our regulars and we could look at we would know what time it was sometimes by the calls that we would get and I would have to take a deep breath at the door like or I'd be in my office like oh I gotta go here I go okay let me see what they did and then by the time I got to my office door okay all right open the door walk out get to the classroom door Good afternoon, Miss Anzella. Come on, let's go. Let's 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 do this. You know what I mean? So it did take some work with myself. Um, but I think seeing it modeled through my parents and also, you know, with my own two kids and my husband, they make me take a lot of deep breaths too. <laughs> we also found out, you know, there were students that were used to, they would only respond to screaming and yelling. And so to get them to pay attention to me I knew I just stay even just stay you know not unbothered but for a lack of better word like um, yeah okay you threw a chair okay have a seat because they expected a riled up answer and they expected like to just get in trouble and consequence with no conversation a different response right they expected yeah yeah Yeah. and then I'm just sitting there just writing and they're literally just sitting there And I'm like, oh, okay, I'm done now. Let's have our conversation. And I would tell them like, I needed a minute to gather my thoughts because I'm not gonna be in here upset, screaming and yelling at you because it's not gonna work, you know? So it did take some practice for sure, but I don't know. A lot of golden (laughs) nuggets here. Okay, I wanna unpack a few (laughs) things. So one, you mentioned you would get the regulars and that you knew, okay, if this student is throwing a chair, we all, we know, that Mm -hmm. behavior is a form of communication. Whatever it is that they're doing, they're trying to communicate something. And I think that's key for us educators to to realize and understand that when a student does something that really frustrates you, like throwing a chair or kicking you or kicking someone else, that, you know, we got to back it up and think about what's behind that behavior. And the other thing that came back to me now the reason that we were talking about being neutral and, and why that's important and how and and sometimes teachers can maybe feel that you are not being neutral and the reason that that I think that's important during this conversation is because this is a channel for special education teachers and oftentimes I feel that tension between or see that tension between the special education teacher and the general education teacher, you know, why are you allowing this student to do this? Or why are you handling it that way? I think that, you know, the general education, (laughs) I think that you should have handled it this way, or maybe you weren't strict enough or for whatever reason. And then usually a methodology or a reason behind that, that the general education teacher may not understand. And what I like about what you said is that what you do to prevent misunderstandings as, you know, as much as you can is checking in with that teacher after the fact to explain why you did what you did. And so I think that's, that's important and a, a good golden nugget for special education teachers that are listening to this podcast to take away from that, that maybe that should be something that they should do. Right. I mean, and, and, you know, we've had general education teachers who would give us their direction for consequences after the student was removed. And there were times where we knew it wasn't going to work. Like 
you know, if they needed to turn flips in the library, there was a reason that they needed to turn flips in the library. If they needed to shoot the basketball five times before going into the office, there was a reason for that. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming most general ed teachers have a good under working understanding of SPED, you know, and that those students need different accommodations. And I would also check in, sometimes I would check in with the classroom too. Like, yeah, I know you guys saw me take, I'm gonna keep using you, it's easier, <laughs> you know. I'm gonna keep, I, I still know you guys saw me take Miss Anzella out and she shot five baskets and then we went to the office. But what you didn't see was, and you know, sometimes I would let them know that, you know, there were other things that happened or, you know, she gets really wiggly inside and our regular movement breaks she has a little more wiggle she has to get out so you know explain and letting the kids know you know equity versus equality right different things in class like you get to get up and help other students this student needed to shoot the basketball you know so just like those kinds of different check-ins but also in letting the teacher know like we're not always gonna agree but i'm trying to keep your classroom sacred so if you trust me to do my job, I'm going to trust you're doing your job in the classroom. Like yeah. the SPED teacher doesn't come in and take over the math lesson. Like, no, this is how you teach it. You know, just like a general ed teacher should not step into the SPED space and say, these are the things you should do because who knows the conversations you've, and like, you know, with the IEPs and the 504s, there are things written down, but by building that relationship, something might have happened last night that you don't know happened. You know, something might have happened with the student or the family that might be causing this extra attention-seeking behavior. So yeah, today I might come in and offer you two granola bars and the teacher's like, no, we just had snack. But did you know that they literally did not eat breakfast this morning because a family member was in the hospital all night and they were sitting, you know what I mean? So it's like all those moving parts. And then you check in with the teacher. And sometimes I would try to check in with the teacher before, hey, just, you know, this happened last night with the family. So if you need me, call me for the student, I'll come get them. And then sometimes you do have to wrap it around on the back end and let them know, like, I wasn't, I heard what you said, but this is what happened or this is why, you know, you had to do these things. Yeah, that was a really good example. Uh, The basketball example, you know, you take a student out of the classroom and then the teacher's thinking, well, wait a minute, he's, uh, you know, he's just got in trouble. He just got removed from the classroom and he's going to play basketball. He's going to do his favorite thing. (laughs) And then the kids in the classroom, they see, well, wait a minute, he just got in trouble in the Mm -hmm. classroom and now he's playing basketball. So maybe I now need to act up so that I can go and do what I want to do (laughs) and be removed from the classroom so I don't have to do math. (laughs) Exactly. And, you know, with that, you know, I've had that situation. So if it was a student needing that break before, and then going to do modified math work, that was it. Or, and then let's say a quote unquote normal gen ed student starts acting up. Okay, so now you, we have to go do some work. And if you get this work done in this amount of time, then you get to go, you know? So it's like, then you have to decide, do you put it on the front end or the back end? I think we had a student and he needed a number of shots versus do you use a timer? Hey, we can play around for five minutes versus you only get 10 shots at the basket. You know what I mean? And then communicating that with whoever questions it. Cause of course there's a trickle up and down effect with these things also. Okay. So question for you is you're, let's say there's a right now, yeah. special education teacher listening to this podcast and they want to start the school year off strong right now it's summer they're going to start putting their plans in motion creating their systems what advice would you give what are some things that they should do to build the relationships with their students at the beginning of the school year like, what are some things, what are um, things to do? I, I think, so I think during the summer, maybe, and it, it you know, it's hard. I, I forget to think with the COVID mind frame also, but um, if they do have a back to school, like we had a summer back to school picnic before school started, definitely go to that. 
Um, and I would introduce myself to any and everyone, not just specifically the SPED students, but make it a point to meet the students, you know, and don't make the conversation about school at first. What'd you do for the summer? What's your favorite food? You know, have you thought about what you want to do the day before school, before when school starts? Like, what's your, what do you want? What's your favorite food to eat the night before school? Things like that. Um, in the beginning of the school year, I would try to find community events if possible to show up to and have your face at. Like we had, you know, a couple of events around West Oakland that the teachers were like, hey, let's go to these so that they see us in the community. Hmm, um, that's good. Right. You know, another thing, it sounds really weird, but if they don't live in the community, go somewhere to eat in the community or see, drive around and see what's going on. So like the student can say, oh yeah, I went to the blue store and got some chips. Oh, I know where that is. I got a water from there one day in the summer, you know, just maybe some reference points. No, you know what that reminds oh. me, I think that's really good because that's one thing that we did my first year mm -hmm. at that school. And right. Remember, because we had a lot of new teachers coming from, outside of California, outside of the area, yeah. they weren't familiar with West Oakland. And so we took the teachers on like a field trip, sort of a tour around mm -hmm. the area. We showed them where a lot of our students, where they lived. We went to one of the community restaurants for, for lunch. Mm -hmm. And the, I thought that was really good. Oh, if they want, you know, to start with the parents, maybe, um, a questionnaire like what do you want me to know about your child things like that so let's say that um they they're not going to have the opportunity to do any community community events or there aren't any events at their school before school starts would you recommend i think that this could be a good idea this is some one thing that i did and that was calling the families before the school year begins especially for those students that have some behavior challenges. Maybe you haven't met that student yet, but maybe that's information yeah. that you got from the IEP, or maybe that's information that you got from other staff members or reading the CUME files mm -hmm. and maybe just calling that student, talking to the student, talking to the family to introduce yourself. And I like what you said about don't make it all about school. Right. But just yeah, I think that's definitely is a good idea because even in my role you know i built the relationships but sometimes there was a student who it was like a one-off and i'd have to call home and they'd be like who are you why are you called like they've never heard of you until you have to give them bad news a problem um, right you know what i mean so and also even if you have to set timers because i had to set reminders call for positive phone calls also in the beginning um because then when you do have to call with the not so positive phone calls, it's a, they might answer the phone hopefully, or at least listen to the voicemail or text you back instead of like, we had one parent. I remember in the beginning, I was call, I was calling her all day, every day. And she changed her phone number. Like she changed it. She, <laughs> she wouldn't speak to me for a little bit. And then, you know, I had to be outside like, Hey girl, uh, what's up? I, you know, and she was like, look, you were just calling me too much. And she was like, I didn't know how to say it. So then I had to determine like, do I really need to call? Cause he won't tie his shoe or should right. I save this call for, you know, pick the battles yeah, or, <laughs> or wait till Wednesday and be like, Hey, he's having a rough day today. And by the way, on Monday, I could not get him to tie his shoe for anything. Could you tell him, you know, and not, not cross. It, and but keep that boundary but still keep it kind of friendly like he is so funny you know but yes definitely pick the battles because i've my phone number the school's number has been blocked <laughs> um numbers have been changed i've seen parents in target like oh i had to change my number that other lady was calling me all the time you know determine if it's a text or a phone call which one is better but mm -hmm. yeah no, and I think, I mean, and they're just, I know I'm all over the place, but also figuring out, checking in, and you said save this for the parents, but checking in about how frequently they want to be called. 
because we think we do like we try to do a blanket statement call every parent for everything all the time blah blah blah. and some parents are like yes call me every five minutes and then some people are at work or they just don't want to hear about it till the end of the day or you'll get I've gotten many a times like why are you calling me for that you know what I mean so also definitely checking in especially you know our our extra love students like find out what the parent wants because when you over call and that that's you know uh, making that relationship shaky now because now all you are is a school administrator or counselor just calling for you know right and some of those things and it could be that okay only call me when it's something dire but All of those other things that you think that I should know, like maybe you can send that home in a note or maybe that can go uh, home at the end of the week, some type of homeschool communication thing where once a week, you know, this is the report for this student and those things you can save those until the end of the week, something like that. If you Mm -hmm. have a good relationship with the student and if you treat the students well, that generally is enough for the parents and you'll generally have a good relationship with the parents as well. Yes, for sure. Also showing the parents that you care. You know, it's a little different. Of course, students need to see it a different way. But even if it's just like, um, like when you do the express pickup and they get out and you tell them it's cold, put your jacket on. The parent hears that, you know what I mean? Or don't run across the street or, you know, like just little things like that outside of the, the school frame. And I think... And sometimes it's hard walking that line also with parents with being neutral and honest without seeming cold and businesslike. Because I've heard a lot of parents say, oh, they only want to sign them up because the school gets more money. And it was something that was not at all true. You know what I mean? So some parents, a lot of parents do have a, a notion that the more services and the more forms sped parents sign the school gets more money for some reason um because even sometimes I was like let me check on that I don't think we get money for him getting four bathroom breaks no that's not how it works you know what I mean (laughs) but they have the idea that you know so a lot of especially parents of color push back on um quote-unquote labeling their student through sped sure because they feel like the school is just getting money. So be not saying like, hey, if you do this, we get money. If you don't do this, I recommend it and we don't. But just being more honest, like, hey, we have services that we provide and more of the benefits um, and the time frame. Also, I've learned a lot of parents think something's going to work in a week. A behavior chart is going to work in a week. It's going to stick and it's going to stick all year. No, <laughs> you know. Um, you know, just about like a lot of things. Um, another thing with the parents is, and this is a mistake I made. Um, I didn't let the student decide on an intervention, but I brought up an intervention and did it with the student before I checked in with the parent. And then if they found out at home, not that it was a seat, like it wasn't a secret, but they found out at home. And then I had to, you know, backtrack and explain to the parent why in that moment I decided that was okay without checking in with them. And I was honest. And he was like, and I told them, I apologize. That was my fault. Like I messed up right. and, you know, they denied the service anyway, which that's a whole nother story, <laughs> but, you know, um, definitely being upfront and honest with the parents about why we're recommending some of the services like you know uh, the timer most most service uh, most interventions we say try timing the student for this and letting them understand like the student instead of just saying here's a timer set it for 10 minutes when it goes off tell the student it's over no the student needs a visual reminder of why the activity you know what I mean so just like breaking things down which sometimes it's tedious and we might think that parents understand it um but I think giving them the benefit of the doubt, like we're not just doing things because we read it in a book. Like we really know what we're talking about with these interventions. Like we've tried it. And like like I said, this is how long we're gonna try it for. And 
good days and bad days. Um, that survey I said, and I don't, I don't know if I have a copy, but there are surveys out there that you can find like mm -hmm. about yeah. you and your child right. for, you know, posters they can have them make about the child. So it's an experience. We also had like sped family nights where it was just for those students, but it was like a pizza party and a movie. Hey, come on campus for a little bit or, you know, reaching milestones, definitely communicate about the positive milestones the students reached to keep the communication open, empathizing with the parents about what they're going through. Sure. Or even asking them, like checking in with the parents sometimes maybe, the ones that are open to it, like, hey, how are you doing? Are you okay? Cause I think that helps some of uh, some of our parents like talk to us a little more. Like the, you Absolutely. know, some of them we're still holding back, but you know, we had a father son duo that was amazing. Once we got him, once we started asking him like, how are you doing? And then he let us know like how he was helping himself to help his son. And I think just by, and I think it was you, you asked him like, how are you? And then he just opened up that day and it was like, oh, okay. You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I know oftentimes we we have the students that have challenging behavior and we're thinking, mm -hmm. you know, <laughs> maybe we're a little bit self-absorbed and like, okay, right. <laughs> it's very difficult dealing with this child at school. But then most, most children, when it's difficult dealing with them at school, like parents are having difficulty mm -hmm. too. And so yes. oftentimes, although the parents love their children, there are times that they don't <laughs> like their children. So they have, they have challenges dealing with their kids too. And when they know that we yes. care and we'll, we are willing to support them or help them in any way that we can, it mm -hmm. makes it a little bit better. <laughs> I know it's still hard. Exactly. <laughs> or even, you know, like when we would tell them behaviors and they were like, yeah, we do that. At home. That happens at home too. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, and then, so we know, and they know like, yeah, I'm not going to call you every time because you deal with it at home too. And then maybe, you know, the collaboration of ideas. So what do you do at home? Oh, I don't know what to do. So what suggestions do you have? And that kind of brings them in too. Like, well, I'm glad he's doing it at school also so that maybe we can keep something continuous going. You know, I know we've had that where it was like, oh, well, let's try this and try that. And also don't sound like you're trying to tell them how to parent, you know, cause there are times where students would get in trouble and, you know, you call home and you'd hear them like, hey mom, so am I gonna go get a new game today? And it's taking everything in you to not, be okay, look, look, please hang up that phone. You know what I mean? But try to find out like, hey, we came up with the pact and she said if she has three good days, then she gets on the DS instead of telling the parent like, don't give her the DS for three days because you're just reinforcing she could do whatever she wants at school. So just finding those little, so <laughs> <all> about wording. <laughs> yeah, there may have been times where I was guilty when I was guilty yeah. of that. It's like, <laughs> Me too. Are, you are not getting ready to take him to McDonald's, are you? Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Yo, no, no, I, that was sometimes that pick up where don't give her that Burger King in front of my face, at least go around the court. You know what I mean? So yeah, it's hard because there were times where, yes, yes. I'm just going to say yes. I learned so much at this experience working at this particular school. It was one of the more challenging schools mm -hmm. in terms of behavior. You were awesome. Thank you. I, I missed you. I needed you. <laughs> I, needed you. <laughs> I, was, I was sitting in the office with my coworker and we would both be like, oh, if she was here, we would know what to do. <laughs> oh, that's so sweet. We well, Mrs. Nixon, thank you so much. I got so many golden nuggets from this interview and I'm sure that our listeners did as well. We'll definitely have to invite you back for a part two. Thank you, Mrs. <laughs> thank you. Nixon. Thank you for having me. This interview had so many golden nuggets and I wanted to talk more to Mrs. Nixon about building relationships with parents, but out of respect for her time, I didn't want to exceed the time 
that she committed to. So we will definitely have to ask her back for a part two so we can dive deeper into some of her systems and so she can talk more about the tier one and tier two interventions that were incorporated into her practice. I also wanted to talk more about building relationships with the parents, but we just ran out of time. Here are some key takeaways that I got from her interview. First, make yourself known and seen in other capacities outside of your role. Get more personal. Learn more about them personally and let them learn more about you personally. Students can relate better when they can see the more personal side of you rather than just the teacher side or the principal side or the psychologist side. Next, try to remain neutral when doing an intervention regarding behavior and guide the students so that they can ultimately do their own reflection about the way that they behaved. This next one, I know this one is hard, but never take their behavior personally. Behavior is always a form of communication and they are most likely responding that way because they lack the skill to communicate whatever it is that they're trying to communicate properly. They just don't have the skill to do it. And I know this one's hard. At least it was hard for me. I remember the time that uh, kindergartner, she kicked me. And not only did she kick me, but while she was kicking me, she called me an ugly lady. <laughs> It was hard not to take that personally, but uh, I, I, I've since gotten thick skin and I can handle it now. Next, call the families of your most challenging students before the school year begins and ask the student about their hobbies, their favorite foods, you know, things that are non-school related, just to start to build a bond and a relationship. Next, establish some type of homeschool communication system with the parents so that everyone's on the same page and ask how they would like to be contacted throughout the school day, whether if it's text or a phone call or written notes and how often would they like to be contacted. And last, make sure to make time for positive phone calls, whether it be whatever their preferred method of communication is. So whether that's a phone call or a text or written notes home, just make sure. Um, and I would say at the very least, you want to try to have at least three positive communications to every one negative communication at the very least. Do you have any questions or comments that you would like to add to this discussion? If so, head on over to our Facebook page where we welcome your comments. Thanks for listening to the Just for Special Education Teachers podcast, and I hope to see you here at the same time next week.